see hoops and I am with the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for this podcast, <laughs> for this podcast, the Canadian Zach Lowe. Yeah. Nico Miatello, what's up? I'm I'm doing okay today. I've been watching a lot of basketball. We we got a break to our audience that we did not do AFC North on Wednesday. It will be next Wednesday. Uh, we've had a few things go down, but I think now we finally got our schedule kind of worked out. And going forward, we're going to have kind of an exciting show on Friday. So I'll just leave that out as a little tease for now. But I, I think we finally found a home for the life bond. So that, that'll that be nice. Um, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up before we went and get into it. But I'm... Uh, I'm feeling good. We've had some good basketball games this week for sure. And for those who are looking for football, keep in mind we also thought about this choice because Wednesday, think it, we came in towards the end of the year anyway. So we're looking at this year as the start of the new year, and we want to start it off right, mm-hmm. which means football will be Wednesdays, yeah. meaning that the Monday game will be over we can preview the Thursday game in the sun, you know, all through the week games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when we talk to you on Wednesday, we can go over like some of the fine points that happen um, and give you some in-depth analysis on what your team is going to be looking like next week. So that's how we plan on doing it. And we will start with the AFC North on Wednesday. But for right now, we need to hoops. We, we need we need to talk about what's going on right now. Win by Yama. Mm-hmm. That game's about to start. Start, yeah. So, first of all, <laughs> Nico, how close are we to the NBA lottery? We are so close, bro. Don't 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 talk about it. It's four days away, and I'm ready for my fucking life to end. Yes, sir. Why are you excited about this? Why is your heart pumping right now? Uh, I I'm excited about the lottery for sure. And why? Uh, ending up with the number one lottery odds has not done well for us the last two years. It's knocked us down to two and three. So maybe ending in third place can be a secret advantage. I don't know. I'm just I'm hoping. We can land in the top two. If if not, the top three is acceptable, I guess. I just uh, – our franchise could change tomorrow. All right. So we're talking – In four days. In four I'm days. All messed up in the head. Already. And which franchise is that, sir? Oh, it's the Houston Basketball Rockets. I think everyone, everyone... – Everybody drank. Yeah, you got to. That's oh, my God. That's my squad, and we're – we're in a vaguely positive mind state right now. The fan base as a whole has been uh, pretty negative for most of the year, considering uh, well, everything that's went on. And understandable, but I'm I'm happy that we're finally kind of moving into this new phase of optimism, and I hope it can it can continue with a a nice lottery win. Or a lottery second place finish. Ah, so that means that you have your eyes on one or two prospects mm-hmm. earmarked for Houston. Yes, of course. Obviously, that would be the. I mean, I don't even know what you would want to call it. It's not even odds on favorite. It's like the no duh choice for number one, which is Victor Wingbayama. And Nico's number two choice, which is the very stout but very swole uh, Scoot Henderson. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, think- did you did you see the did you see the socials in the last couple of days with my man's shirt off? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. he's jacked out of out of his fucking mind. That <laughs> that's something that's been true about him since he like first 
really came on the scene with the G League when he like walked in as a 17-year-old, jacked out of his mind. He's just one of those dudes who's so physically developed and hasn't stopped growing. So the LeBron types, that those are the guys who come in like that. Even a guy like Jalen Duran last year really developed like that physically. And generally, that's a good sign for success in the league. Scoo Henderson looks like Judgment Day, Finn Balor, eight eight pack. This dude is jacked to the gills. He is humongous, man. People are gonna bounce off of him because he's gonna be going at such a high rate of speed. Yeah, I wonder how many charge fouls he gets called on him that won't be real charge calls because yeah. it's gonna be acceleration get- times force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like he one thing that I feel like people don't talk about enough with Scoot we're talking about his physical size and his stature but he gets criticized a lot because he's a 6'2 point guard and we're in a league that's continuing to get bigger but bigger. wingspan is almost six foot ten, and he's got the physical strength to hold up the, the couple inches of height, especially he's got one of those high shoulder builds, not quite like KD level, but like his shoulders are higher up on his body than a lot of guys. So that generally translates pretty well on the basketball court. I, I don't think his height is going to be the detriment. A lot of people are painting it out to be. And especially considering what he's doing, finishing right now against borderline NBA level guys like G League players you you can kind of see that the the size isn't as much of a concern as it is with some of these other diminutive point guards who have came out in recent years man it's it's really just whatever flavor you want at the top of the draft it really is so big guard wing uh Three and D, like I don't know, four or five, whatever. There's a lot of stuff at the top of this draft, and it's all different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. But it I... seems to be all super athletic, though. That's the one thing with yeah. the top of this particular draft is that the the five or six kids. Mm-hmm. That you hear the most, all are on the like the highest percentages of athlete. Yeah, like yeah. ridiculous. When Brandon Miller is probably the weakest athlete in your top six, that's incredible. That's like you go into last year's draft and you could argue he'd have been the second best athlete in the top six there or even the year before like he's not better than Jalen or Kaminga but like he's probably better just athlete than a guy like Kate or even Evan Mobley so it's it's very noticeable in this year's class how athletic that top group is and it it will probably like visually impact the league in a few years we're starting to see more and more of these athletic freak rim finishers come in and with rim protection not being emphasized in the same way it has been in years past, it, we might end up moving more and more into an era of inside scoring rather than the three-point barrage we've seen over the last five or so years. The Warriors era, I guess seven years now. It still drives me insane today when I see like a three-on-one break and everybody is flying to the corners. It just... I'm like, it's three on one. Can we just take the two? Can we? Are, are we sure we need to take this 34% three instead of this, like, very loud, very exciting, so crowd pleasing? Or if you're on the road, take the crowd out of the game type of play. Well, some of the smarter teams have started. Uh 
like crashing in those situations more where they send multiple people to the rim uh, and just make the three-point shooter the guy from above the break because in that three-on-one situation, you're, you'd still be out outnumbering them on the rebound two to one if that three-pointer misses. So you kind of get a chance at two opportunities. And te- we've seen teams like the Bucks and stuff do a lot more of that recently. So I think that's probably going to be in vogue coming forward. We're going to see less of the leak-out corner three shooters on the break. Good. I would hope to see more of that because it's just – it always boggles my mind. I'm like, really? We're, we're – we're just going to go this 36% right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, open corners are a higher percent, percentage than that. And then realistically, if you're getting into a point like per possession argument, like it's understandable to a certain extent. I, the, the math problem on that, especially early when other teams weren't ready for you to leak out to the corners on the break, was huge, and it definitely led to a lot of teams developing these great pace and space offenses. It was just like another weapon you could add that you didn't have before. But it, it's one of those things that has diminishing returns when you start to do it with worse players. And that like sort of continued to happen with uh, the league overall, everyone trying to emulate this warrior style that you just kind of realize, like, you, you can't win the championship like that unless you have Clay and Steph and KD for a part, part of time. You need some of the greatest shooters ever to actually run that style effectively. Um, I think the heliocentric offense that came through Houston also kind of influenced that to a certain extent because guys like love to go to the corners because that was basically their only role. It was James having the ball all the time or Chris having the ball or even like the, the pick and roll for Dwight earlier in the era. But throughout the, the evolution of the game we've seen in the last few years and especially like the last few champions doing a lot more with running and getting to the rim and using the three-pointer still to space the floor because that's incredibly effective. But we don't have any of those spot-up two-point shooters anymore, which, like, is a huge addition. But there seems to be a realization that the game is maybe less solved than we thought with this three-point barrage, and there are still other ways to be incredibly effective. Common sense would tell you if you missed your last five shots, and somehow you got a three-on-one, don't spray out to the corners. Just take the layup or the dunk. The funny part about it is, is we see a lot of fast breaks that look so wild because they haven't gone to the rim in so long that it's like, what? What? I'm so conditioned to go spray out to the three that I do not know how to take this bunny layup. It's like a, it's an epidemic, I tell you. It's so weird. So, well, Nico, we got to get into what we saw last night and also kind of preview what's about to happen tonight because it's spicy. And uh, yeah. let's get right to it. Let's go to the MVP of the league. Joel Embiid um, and the Sixers had a, a game six at their house, and all was going well. Jason Tatum was 1-14. Marcus Smart was doing what Bill Simmons didn't want him to do, which was take more shots than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then Jason Tatum showed up in the fourth quarter and said, yo, hold up. I'm the leader of the squad, so I'll be taking these shots from here on out. And we now have a series that is 3-3 going back to Boston. Shouts out to the 617, the 781, the 508, and the 401. Y'all know who y'all are. Y'all know what we do. So my question is, where are we? What was this game? What were some of the finer points that you thought about? And 
did he give us a glimpse of what is going to happen in Game 7? Well, the big story coming into this game was the adjustment Missoula made moving Robert Williams into the starting lineup. And then not just moving him in, but moving him in there at the four and taking Derek White out going bigger. And early in the game, that seemed like a solve to the Philadelphia offense. They started, like we talk about the game going well through the first three quarters, but they were down 13-3 to to start the game. And the only shot they made was like a weird bank three-pointer. So it, it definitely wasn't was going the way Missoula had planned. But surprisingly enough, a guy who we often malign for his coaching, Doc Rivers adjusted. And in the second and third quarters, they, they had a solve to the defense. They were spacing out more to three. They took PJ Tucker out of the floor off the floor. They introduced George's Niang for one one of the first times in the series, at least in a role like this. But the Jason Tatum coming alive in the fourth, him showing, hey, I uh, maybe I'm the best player in this series, just for a short period of time after having the worst beginning of the game uh, of his career to that point, is like it, it, it completely flipped the game on his head, and every like coaching change, X's and O's adjustment didn't matter anymore. Um, Big shout out to Jason Tatum for for that performance. But there were a few areas where it felt like the Sixers could still win the game. I don't know, like uh, Melton missed open corner threes, Tucker missed open corner threes. If the Tobias missed several wide open dunks early in the game, and if you if you kind of solve a couple of those problems, maybe Philadelphia has a chance. But now with the momentum going back to Boston, I kind of think I'm leaning Boston to win this series. I'm going to say this, and I don't know if I'm going to get aggregated or not. Probably don't have a big, big enough following for that. But I will say this. The MVP needs to be the MVP in Game 7. Yeah, for sure. I understand that he is playing with an injury. I also understand that James Harden is going to show up sometimes, and sometimes he is not. Um, He's going to score. I wish he would take on a bigger load, but... It really depends on what James feels like doing that night. I don't think there's any po- any situation where Maxi or anybody else takes more shots than Joel Embiid, and that's what we had in Game Six. And just can't have that happen to my MVP. This is where the little things on the margins. I understand that Doc made changes. I understand that Doc made a couple adjustments. But the one thing that is the principle is that you allow your your whatever you want to call it, your North Star, your son, your planet to be that guy. And even though it wasn't a big, you know, a huge margin between the two, it was only one shot. But Joel Embiid has been in this league almost a decade. So yeah. I think he needs to be taking a couple more shots than uh Maxi. He, so. he does. He definitely does. But a big factor of that, I think, was the defense that the Celtics were playing. They were denying the entry pass a lot more than before. And while the Sixers do have one of the best entry passers in Harden, they kind of don't really have that much out of position entry passing. Uh, PJ can do it a little bit, but they felt like they needed to take him off the floor because he was missing those open threes. So he only played about 20 minutes it made it a little harder for them to get the ball to Embiid at all. And like the Sixers, or sorry, the Celtics plan throughout this entire series has been to let Maxi cook. And they let it happen once again. I, I agree that they need Embiid to be the best player for them to win this game seven, but they're going to need to find out a new way to get him the ball. 
maybe even have him dribble it up the floor if you need to because like he can get into that mid-ranger and we saw last night how money it is it's one of the scariest shots in the league at this point so like there it needs to be somewhat of a game plan adjustment and this to his credit i would would say has been the best playoffs of doc rivers we've seen in quite a few years so I, I hope there's some adjustment like that in the back pocket, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Even even as drastic as like a high pick and roll at the three-point line like you would do Steph, just to get in, be the ball, going downhill in a situation where it doesn't have to be fast downhill. He could still kind of walk, walk his uh, defender back down to that free throw line and hit that 15-foot uh, jump shot he has. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal. I, I'd love to see something like that. Like, we, the, like I said, that 15-foot jump shot was absolutely cash throughout that game, and every time they were going to it, it felt like it was going in. So if they lean on it more, I, I definitely understand. You're probably not going to get as good of results um, just considering, like, Embiid was shooting absolutely lights out last game. But uh, I'd like to see more of it because it seems like one of the few things Boston doesn't really have a solve for defensively. Would you like to see, like, Maxi come off, like, some more Spain pick and rolls? Uh, they've, they've done a bit of it. And yeah. they've moved Maxi around on the pick and roll quite a bit. They've let him do some ball handling as well. I Maybe seeing more guard-guard pick and rolls with him <laughs> and Harden would be uh, effective. But I, I'm just not, I'm not necessarily sure getting Maxi free is going to solve much of the problem they've been having. He's He's been able to to come up with quite a few opportunities. The only reason I, I ask about the Maxi Spain pick and roll is because they seem to get a lot of action off of it. The ball seems to mm-hmm. have a lot of energy. And I think they play better when the ball is having a lot of energy. And they definitely do. And I just wonder in a playoff setting as Boston will be on Sunday. That's something like that where it's like, okay, we're not we're not going to go to this ISO or pick and roll so we get Embiid, whoever he wants, or, or whatever the case may be, where the, the offense becomes stagnant. If we move, if we use the maxi Spain pick and roll as a way to allow movement and freedom and free flow offense, I think that would serve them well, especially at least in the first couple quarters just to kind of get the nerves out and allow basketball just to be basketball and not try to be into this like mono mono shootout with the Celtics and also the Celtics fans. Cause trust me, they will play a part in this game if Philly allows them to. So. The, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been, a factor in series before and I think it can come out here and as much as I love my guy James he's had troubles dealing with that kind of pressure before so I I hope it doesn't creep back in I hope in my heart I I still am with this Philadelphia team and I'm hoping they win the series but I think realistically I'm picking Boston in game seven well, I laid out a, a way for Philly to win. I actually am – I mean, Boston literally has the best talent in the NBA. I know there would probably be some teams that want to fight me on that, and that's fine. But from, you know, the first guy to the tenth guy, I mean, they're they're loaded. So, yeah, so, yeah, I would take Boston and Boston – in a game seven, especially with what they have. And Tatum cannot be as bad as he was in game six, at least at the start. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 
like this was kind of an inverse Tatum performance. Normally, the story about Tatum throughout the playoffs has been like I dominate the first three quarters, but the fourth quarter I'm a little gassed and I don't play quite up to the level. Uh, this game, he put himself in a funk and he shot his way out of it. So maybe this is some growth from Tatum. <laughs> and if he grows much more, we might be talking about one of the best players in this game. So that is, that's incredibly exciting. And speaking of one of the best players in this game, unfortunately, a a star that was shooting very high and it was a bright star will now see darkness. The playoffs are now over for the Phoenix Suns. They went down to the number one seed in the West, by the way, your Denver Nuggets, Mm. who have been disrespected all year. Oh, well, we don't know about the defense. Oh, well, we don't know if, you know, you can really play this way throughout a playoff series, you know, throughout a playoff series and making a run to to the finals. And now they are in the Western Conference Finals for what, the third time? Right, I think the second time. The second. Time. I think I think history last third time. I think oh. two times over the last what three or four years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But first of all, much respect to the Denver Nuggets and that organization because they put a lot of good pieces around that team, uh, around their superstar in Nikola Jokic, and good for them. To knock off the team that everyone said that, oh, oh, they got Durant. We can cancel the Western Conference because Mm -hmm. Phoenix will be representing the Western Conference. Um, There was a fatal flaw. I think we talked about it during the trade deadline special. And I think even when we did the individual KD pod, I think we talked about the depth issues at that point in time. So if you're joining us for like the first time, welcome. But we do have some archive pods that might speak to some of the things we were worried about with the depth issues with the Phoenix Suns. And they did show its head. And again, unfortunately, um, Chris Paul was hurt. And, um, DeAndre De- DeAndre Hayden didn't play, so they're out. Oh, yeah, yeah. They their team had a couple fatal flaws. I think they they struggled in multiple areas before the playoffs. I I did a bracket and I picked them to win it all. And kind of as soon as this Denver series started, maybe by like halfway through game two, I felt pretty stupid because they they really had no solution to Denver's defense at all. And uh, as much as I would love to give a ton of credit to Denver for this, and I will give them credit. They deserve credit for getting this far and beating the Kevin Durant team and the team with Devin Booker, who was playing like the best player in the league at the time. That is an incredible achievement. I I still want to see what they do in the Western Conference Finals because I think those are two teams who are set up to attack them in a different way that might provide a little more success than what Phoenix was trying to do. So if this was a regular podcast, I would hit you with, so, so you're, you're doubting the, you're doubting the nuggets. You're still doubt. You're still a doubter. You're still a hater. All this other. Yeah. We're not doing all that, but what is it? Is it that they they strictly can't protect the rim? Is that is that the reason why you feel that ultimately they get got somewhere down the line? I think that's that's a struggle that they have for sure. They they don't have elite rim protection that you need at this level of the playoffs. 
But also they kind of struggle defending like three point shooters just in general, like above the breaks and break and in the corners. And Phoenix didn't really have the guys to make them pay there after they moved Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Like Landry Shamit had that great game that we saw. But guys like campaign sitting in the corner it isn't something you're necessarily terrified of. So it, it didn't have the same impact on this Denver defense. They've gotten so much better on the perimeter, and I don't want to discount that. That's something that's led them to this run in the playoffs and makes them as scary as they are. But going to forward when you're defending threes against guys uh, like maybe on the Warriors or maybe on the Lakers, it's going to be different than defending corner threes against Torrey Craig and Terrence Ross is all I'm trying to say. No, I agree with you. Uh, They haven't been tested so far in the playoffs when it comes to that. Uh, Minnesota wasn't able to really make them pay from deep and really get the floor spread the way they kind of needed to to allow Edwards to do what he does. And then you got a bunch of mid-range assassins with Phoenix, but you can't really attack the paint, you know, to allow the floor to be open. So yet both teams, either the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors, are going to are going to definitely put some pressure on on the Nuggets when it comes to that. Um, what do you say to the Nuggets fans and and the Nuggets supporters out there that say? Our offense is just good, and we can win. We can win purely on Jokic's brilliance alone. Uh, Your offense is very good, and there's a chance you can win off Jokic's brilliance alone. There, There definitely is a possibility of that. It's just not something that we've seen before, a team like this without that, like... Basically, uh, there hasn't been a team with uh, below average, and you, that might even be strong for Jokic, but with a not great defensive center who's won a championship basically ever. So questioning this Nuggets team is is something that's just going to happen for a lot of people. But you could also turn around and say, that's the same thing a lot of people said about the Warriors before they won titles. There was the whole jump shooting teams don't win championships argument. And they went and proved that wrong time and time again. So this could be the start of something like that for Denver as well. I, I'm not willing to write that off completely. I just really want to see it in the conference finals. Yeah, I really want to see it, but I want to see it against a specific team. That leads me to... What we should talk about next tonight, um, we are we're, somehow, some way, we are in Miami. Uh, we are at a game six. Did the, did the Knicks just basically just scave off elimination in five and then now six, it's just over? Because there was nothing in game five that said, Oh yeah, this is now. This could be a real competitive rest of the series. I was thinking, no, this still feels over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Um, Brunson played well, and uh, Barrett actually had one of his better playoff games. But I don't think that's something you can necessarily rely on happening again. And Jimmy didn't really go crazy, Jimmy. It kind of seemed like he had his foot on the brakes a little bit throughout that game. And I don't think it's going to be the same for game six. I, I kind of expect the Heat to close this out. But it'd be fun if the Knicks proved me wrong. Oh, game game seven in New York City, Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Just the optics of that. Can we get Scott Foster on the call? Oh, man. <laughs> Zach Zarba. Zach Zarba, I think, is is now the Scott Foster, to be honest. Like, 
Scott Foster still gets that that title, but often now I think Scott Foster is trying to, when he's out on the floor, he's trying to recover his reputation to a certain extent because he knows all the eyes are on him. But Zach Zarba still slides under the radar and comes in in those clutch situations and provides what the NBA needs. The Knicks, I'll say it, they need a star. Um, They do. Brunson is solid and very good. R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, one of the two, need to be upgraded. One of the two. Yeah, I just think it's really, really hard to upgrade on a guy like Julius Randle, considering like what he provides the team and what you what better player you'd need to get. Plus, whatever team he's going to isn't going to value him as much as the Knicks do, because you don't necessarily want Randle to be doing everything he is currently doing if you want to be the best team in the world. So. I think that one would be harder to to just straight up improve on. Barrett, I think another team could sell themselves on being a, more of a developmental case who can fit in as more of a cog in a machine. And they do have uh, quite a few draft picks to play with. So I think they could end up in a situation where they didn't do the Donovan Mitchell deal this year, but maybe next year there's a situation that opens up, be it Bradley Beal, be it whoever, who could kind of slide into this team a, a little easier with that Barrett plus picks package. All right, Nico. So you're about to, you're about to walk this old man back off, off the ledge. So I have a, a wild trade rumor, oh, not a rumor, something that I just made up, something I'm just thinking about, right? Yeah. So, if we feel that R.J. Barrett is kind of like the guy that needs to go, it's hard to replace him, too, because everybody's looking for like that type of player, right? Because he's a wing who we kind of need him to score. Like He can play defense, but we kind of need him to score, though, too. Yeah, yeah. I I think the Knicks kind of have an ability to manufacture points at other positions between Randall Brunson and uh, Quickly. So I don't think scoring is necessarily their highest priority with that uh, trade, but maybe. I, mm. I think who has scoring upside as well. Like you, you need a guy who can help you close out games. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have that guy right now. And that's, you know, Brunson can do it on a level. Mm-hmm. Julius can do it on a level. But there are certain guys that have special qualities that can just yeah. say, all right, it's the fourth quarter. This is what I do. Yeah, And they need one of those. I, I could... I could see that, but that's like kind of a complete restructuring of the way the Knicks work right now. And I'm I'm not as confident it would necessarily be super effective. May, there's a chance. There's a chance. I, I kind of see this Knicks team a little bit like the Tibbs-Bulls teams from back in the day. And, like, defensively, it's not the same thing. So, like, I'm I'm not talking about that side of the ball. They attack everything differently. But Randall kind of plays the offensive role of Joakim Noah. However, more, like, more of a scorer than Noah was, but still the, the facilitator that Noah was. Brunson's kind of working his way into more of that Rose role. So the guy I kind of feel like they need is Lou Haldang to put this all together and build around like that same kind of look and vibe. 
Mikhail Bridges is a guy who I know a lot of people are probably thinking of, but that cross New York trade might be a little too much to swallow on both sides. Uh, a player like that, I think, could could fit in pr- pretty nicely on this next squad, though. You know who also I think will work for Tibbs? And I was... Hmm. I want to get my guy out of Orlando. I want to get uh, the kid I was high on a couple years ago, the guard. Suggs. Yeah, I want to get Suggs out of Orlando. Yeah, I I would like them to use a little more Suggs because the the guard defense is something they they pretty desperately need. In Orlando, I'd I'd more like them to go in the direction of moving off Markel, but I I could understand wanting to free up a guy like Suggs a little bit more. I I, I think Suggs in a in a, a bigger player. Hmm. Oh, I'm not saying that he's the guy. I'm just saying like I just I think him in a Tib system. Yeah. Like, if I was replacing R.J. Barrett, and I wasn't necessarily replacing R.J. Barrett in a sense of, oh, he he might be part of the big move, but he's the, the guy we get back doesn't necessarily fill his, fill his space, right? Yeah. But I would love to get Suggs to fill his space, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'd like... I. If Orlando and Chicago went back to the trading well and uh, Chicago decide to move off a couple of their guys, whoever it be, I would like to see Suggs get a new chance in Chicago. Just kind of like a fresh start, a team that's more like open to him being the facilitator rather than needing like Markel to get their other good players going. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think Suggs... Like, Orlando's still a developing team, but his role kind of got log-jammed and closed off quickly. Yeah. We'll just have to kind of monitor and see what happens in the draft because I'm sure if Amen Thompson fell to them, he would be the person handling the ball. (laughs) Just just saying. And I guess that we should talk about the upcoming game six that is happening here in Los Angeles, California. All eyes will be on crypto.com tonight when the Lakers play the Golden State Warriors. Now, this is the defending champions. This is the team that has Steph Curry. This is a team that has a bunch of championship pedigree. Albeit, the roles have changed. Not everybody is in their role. Now, with that being said, we talked offline and we kind of got it that Steph needs to have like an incredible Steph game for them to get it to a game seven. Now, one other thing that could happen, we'll give it some credence because it's a thing. Yeah. Game six clay is a thing, is a thing, but I'm actually here to tell you that um, the guy that I would be worried about actually is Andrew Wiggins. I know he's hurt. Yeah, I've heard there's a rib injury. Um, it's a game time. It's a game time decision. I have been told that it is it it's serious. It's a real thing. Um, I think he shoots it up and he'll play. Personally, yeah. I don't know what that has in store for him in Game Seven, and I can just imagine Jokic just going for real. We're gonna get more rest. This is great. <laughs> yeah. This is fantastic. But you and I also um, seem to have come down on the side that we are actually picking the Lakers in this in this game six. Oh, by the way, we 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 have Miami, right? 
Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay, we both have, okay. Um, LeBron when he walked off the court, I don't know if you caught it. Did you catch it as he walked off the court? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, there's a scene as he's walking off the court. His hot, his head is kind of hell high. You know, he's looking around, scanning the fans. But you can just see a look in his eye like, okay. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to play. Yeah, man. And I believe that the Lakers have enough to close out Golden State. And it's not because... I respect Golden State to the fullest. That is a worthy opponent, and they've been a a a just champion. You can make, you know, pleas for other teams and, and all of this and the Kevin Durant stuff. And, yeah, they're a little bit smarter, and they found a loophole. Yeah. Was it fair? Did they kind of suck for the rest of the league? Probably. Mm-hmm. But we're here now. And Steph has four rings. And Draymond has four rings. And Clay has four rings. But that youth movement that they, that vaunted youth movement that they had, what do you think of the future of that youth movement? Because I think if they want to allow this dynasty or whatever you want to call it, this journey to continue to go through, They would have to kind of trade those pieces away. And I don't even know what kind of value Moody and or Kaminga. And right now, Jordan Poole is such a distressed asset. I'd leave him even out of that. But uh, I would never say that. Obviously, we've seen Westwood get traded in his contract. We saw Chris Paul. Remember when Chris Paul contract wasn't ever was supposed to be traded. And it's been traded. Um, what do you think the Warriors, if to if tonight is the night, what what's your thoughts on what the Warriors look like? And I guess we should start at the top. Is Bob Myers even there next year? I I expect Bob Myers to stick around. I think I I think he wants to see through the next build of this Warriors team, and it hasn't quite happened yet. I I think Kaminga might be the one that you can look at, and other teams are going to have value for Kaminga and see him as someone they can, like, maybe turn into something and maybe move on from him. Moody... Uh, they should have just put this guy in their rotation earlier. This is who he is. This is who he's been. And I think he's a kind of picture-perfect Warriors fit. I'd rather them keep him around going forward. But I, I'd understand if they had to move him. I think it's probably a Kaminga package, though, if you're trying to make a trade for a significant piece this offseason. <clears throat> And then there is the Draymond piece, which is, does he opt in to the final year of his contract, or does he opt out? He's opting out. And get money. Do they resign him or not? Mm. There's a lot to unpack there, and I guess we will have all offseason to talk about it. I have this... I had this sneaky suspicion that this this is going to be a really, really enjoyable game. And I'm just going to be absolutely probably pulling my hair out towards the end of it. Um, It's going to be one of the most watched uh, playoff games ever. It's going to be up there for sure. I will be so nervous through the whole thing. I just, it's just going to be bad for me. I think, Oh, Trying to trying to have the analysis, but also knowing that I'm going to be like, oh, look at Steph hitting 33-footers. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, one other question that I have for you. Um, is there, like, a little, like, prop bet that's out there that the people can get a hold of today? 
is there like a Anthony Davis over under two blocks? Cause give me the over on that. Uh, is there a like a Rui Hachimura one and a half threes or something like that that we can look at? There, there isn't one that I found yet. Let me take a a quick peek at this Lakers game and the Anthony Davis line. And while he goes on about that and looks for that, I have two things. Uh, One, again, uh, we are moving the football podcast to Wednesday. So we are doing that for two reasons. One, we think it is, we don't allow the Monday football game to breathe. And obviously we're doing this in the point of the season where it doesn't matter because there's no games to be played, but we're trying to get you guys ready for the 2023 season of football where Aaron Rodgers is a jet. Yes, sir. Lamar Jackson is still a Baltimore Raven. For some reason. And the Rams are tanking for uh, Caleb Williams. Fight on, USC, even though I cannot stand you. I can't. I'm sorry. But I do like Caleb Williams because he's a good quarterback. Yeah, that's fair. So I got... uh... This is a higher line, and this is a game you'd want to rely on Anthony Davis in. I think Anthony Davis is going to have a big line. He His current uh, over-under is 24.5. I would bang that over. Bang the over. But a, an alternate line available on Bet365, they have his high line at 33.5. And over on that, it pays just about four to one, and I I like that bet as well. I like that quite a bit. I I, it's the type of long shot I'd like to roll with. Yeah, if Anthony Davis is getting twenty two shots. Yeah, one hundred percent. You should bang that over. My whole thing is is that that's one of those that I would like have in my back pocket and see as the game goes on, like in the first quarter, if you first six minutes, you see Anthony Davis take like four or five shots. Oh yeah. Get on that. Right. Well I think you gotta you gotta get on it. You have to get on it before it it doesn't change in the it's not one of those that you can get live betting. There's some there's some you can get live. You can probably get a live line but it's it'll change. I think yeah. I like the pregame line more. I I know you like the pregame. I'm I'm going with the people who like to keep their money. See you you no. you are a true dreamer no. there. It's like it, it's not a it's not a bet that you invest heavily in. But since it's four to one, I think it's a long shot that you can put like half a unit in or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a tasty bet though because game six needs to have something pretty dramatic in it, especially with these two teams. And somebody's going to have to impose their will. And you and I have been talking offline, and also we did a kind of a Lakers-centric podcast in regards to them going up 3-1. I believe that this is the time where Anthony Davis makes the Lakers his team um, allows LeBron to play a secondary role, which I actually think he's starting to feel more and more comfortable with. I understand that the injury has played a big part in it, but I also think he's starting to see where, man, I could, if I get another guy I can really count on for 18 points, it's going to make my life so much easier. Yeah, And I'm thinking with this injury has allowed him to kind of downshift a little bit and we might even see more of it where that would elevate Anthony Davis to that primary role. And if Anthony Davis is going to be in the primary role, bet the over on what, the 33? Yes. Get it. Four to one odds? Uh, Man. uh, Get that. Another one, one we don't want to talk about, but if you... Let's talk about it. I'm not scared, Nico. 
if you think the game might go the other way, uh-huh. uh, four and a half to one on uh-huh. the high line on Clay Thompson, 30 and a half. 30 and a half? Yeah. So keep in mind, we do have game six Clay. So yeah. that's a real thing. If you are a Warriors fan for Young Key out there, that's something that you want to look at. But I'm thinking, um, hmm, has he had a good game? He hasn't had a good game in L.A. yet, right? I don't think so. Let me. So he has to have one. Yeah, and he he is normally game six. Clay comes out on the road, so right. So that's where he's at now. And by the way, this is his other than Chase. This is his favorite arena mm-hmm. to play in. So, therefore, Hi. man, he he tends to have a lot of fun in Toyota Center too. He tends to fucking light that place ablaze as well. Yeah. So I I, I would not I would not know. Um. Could Clay have a great game? They run Steph ragged, and the Lakers still win. It's harder for me to see, but it, it's possible. This series is pretty wild altogether, so it's kind of hard to project what's going to happen game to game. I was pretty confident in the Lakers last game, and they got like blown off the floor, so... And I think D'Angelo's Russell is is due for like a, a sighting. Mm. And we haven't had a a pretty decent Rory Hachimura game in the second as well. He hasn't exploded yet. So I, I kind of feel like the D'Lo sighting was game three. Um with the three threes kind of yeah. in that little stretch. Yeah, that big start there. He and then he entered with twenty points. Rui, Rui, Rui had that had a good game too. Game two. Yeah, but it's been a while. Yeah, so he poke, you know, poke your head up one more time in the series. You know, hell, Anthony Davis along with his thirty-seven points that he's going to have tonight, in his nineteen rebounds that he's going to have tonight, in his five blocks that he's going to have tonight. And his two steals. Right? Yeah. There's there's a good chance. I don't know. This, to me, this might be the game for your guy. I think this is the game where Austin Reeves says, you pay me that $120 million. If Austin Reeves, I saw a report out there for four years, 98. Yeah. I was comfortable with that. I was comfortable with that. And I think that's about the zenith of what yeah. he can get. So we'll see if, but what's game six Reeves like. Yeah, we'll see. And by the way, if it is, pay him. Do whatever. You gotta do what we gotta do. <laughs> LeBron's all anyway, right? We can trade him, get pieces. Yeah. <laughs> He'll give the guy opening night next year, right? Addressing the crowd. Yeah. It won't be LeBron. Me. Austin Reeves. Austin. Austin's about to be the leader of the city. I I've talked about this before. I'm not sure if I if I've mentioned it on air. But a guy like Austin in a city like LA, keeping him around might have a Jeremy Lin effect. And I, I kind of think that's worth whatever contract number he ends up coming up with. That's going to be worth it in merchandise sales. That's going to be worth it in new fans. That's going to be worth it in all the little white kids in L.A. who look at their TV and think, I could be that guy. I, I think Austin Reeves is a guy the Lakers need to keep. And also Adam Scott who uh, is one of the co-producers of Showtime, he would definitely 
need Austin Reeves to be good because then you would have what, like, that would be like episode, what, chapter four of Showtime, the series or whatever. Right. Yeah. The Reeves era. The Reeves era. The Reeves regime. Yes. 100%. I don't know who. So Rob Lowe will play Rob Polinka, right? Yeah. All right. All right. I can't, can't wait for that. I don't know who's playing Genie. Older Genie. <laughs> Who plays Jay Moore? Oh, That's my question. I don't know. I know <laughs> I know Timothy Chalamet is getting cast as Reeves, though. So. Alright. He, he, can he shoot? I don't I don't think so, but he he can sell a movie. Alright. Jawline can cut glass. Uh, maybe we can get like Jason Capono to stand in for him or something. Oh. Somebody, you know, or maybe bring back uh, what's his Wancho Wancho back to the movie role. He could play Reeves. All right, no, he can't. I can't. I, I he he did a good job in Hustle. Who knows? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But Game Six is upon us. We're excited about it. We both have the Lakers. I definitely still see. I'm still very respectful of Clay. I'm still very respectful of Steph. And we're just hoping that Wiggins doesn't show up tonight. And it'd be nice for Draymond Green to go full Draymond Green. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would make my life better. Yes. All right. Do you have any closing thoughts on this podcast, Nico? Because we are in a nurse is about to show up from my mother. So, you know, it's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. So, uh, Closing thoughts for the pod. Just stay tuned next week. It's looking like we're we're gonna go to a pretty strict three times a week schedule. So get excited for that. We have some some big news maybe coming next week. Maybe maybe a few weeks after that. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, we we are working on some stuff, and we both kind of have some time now to commit more to frpc myself especially so we're we're gonna have a big summer i think yes things to look out for hopefully i would like to have so i'm gonna throw these out into the universe i would like a area on like discord where people are talking about certain topics and Maybe there's some catchphrases that we've thrown in there and, you know, it's, you know, or whatever. I love that. More interaction on Twitter is the thing. So reach out to us. I'm at FrontRunnerPC. Nico is at, at NicoFRPC. Please hit us up on things that you heard here today and things that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future because we are open to all of it. And, you know, if we didn't hit Detroit basketball enough this year, you got to let us know. You know what I'm saying? If the Seattle people are still talking about their supersonics and they want us to do like kind of like a rally for the supersonics, we're in. We're game. Always. I mean, we even did something for the, for the Washington Wizards. Oh, we did. We're, so we're going to be doing more of that stuff going forward now too. So so, so keep that in mind. So keep it locked here on FRPC. This feed is going to blow up next week. I can't wait to let you guys in on that. But uh, with that being said, we are going to get up out of here. You guys enjoy the games tonight. We'll be back on this feed on Monday. And oh, that Wiggins is playing. Wiggins is playing. Wiggins. Oh, so hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. We got something for that. Hold on. Let's see. We got drops for this. Let's see if we can do the drop. I don't know. We got drops coming in the future too. All right. It only happened in my ear, so we gonna have to fix figure that out. But anyways, with that being said, Wiggins is playing great. Great news. That means that no excuses whatsoever. We're good there. And we can go ahead and sign this off. So enjoy the games tonight. Um, 
I'm sure Heat Culture, Heat Mafia will be out in full regalia tonight. And is it blue in orange skies in New York City? I don't know, Nico. It might be gray. It might be gray, sir. Because the butler did it. <laughs> and on that note, we are out. Peace. <laughs>